Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to... <laughs> too low? <Yeah. laughs> not, not to mention your facial expressions. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast today. <clears throat> You're making fun of me? Okay, I'm just trying to go a little bit lower pitch, but fine. You can't. That was just really low. <laughs> <laughs> just trying something out. I okay, felt like guys. you lost some of your punch. For the first time since the 1940s, Americans are reaching retirement in worse financial shape than their parents. Three reasons a million-dollar nest egg won't cut it in retirement. Many Americans today are said to not be saving enough money for retirement. You need some money for groceries when you're no longer drawing a paycheck. In this morning's Eye on Money, a news survey shows many older Americans are taking steps to prepare for retirement, but a majority might not be ready for the financial long haul. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm the host, Molly Nelson. I'm here with producer extraordinaire, Rochelle Smith, and we've also got Lauren Merkel. He's a certified financial planner. He's an axe thrower. He's a cannon collector, and he's father. <laughs> it changes every time. It just keeps going. <laughs> he's also father to the amazing Jace. Do not forget that. Very important as well. And what he does for a living is help people retire. So today's subject is the cost of retirement. And I am actually going to go ahead and give away the ending, guys. It's expensive. Cost a lot. Retiring is expensive. Living is expensive. Living and is then expensive. You throw, and then you throw in stop making money, then it gets even worse. And so we're giving away kind of, you know, the ending. It is expensive. But the good news is, the good news Every day, people retire with varying amounts of money, and, and, and they retire successfully. So we're going to talk about, in today's podcast, kind of the cost of life at different phases, expenses before and after retirement. And the good news is we'll also discuss some creative ways to help you retire successfully, because that's what it's all about when you sit down and plan financial futures, Lauren, is getting creative with the resources that are available. Yeah, I mean, you have to. I mean, if, if we were talking about the study, so on average, people of retirement age have saved about $75,000. But yet you read all of these articles out there that say that you have to save X amount or you have to use this type of calculation. And if you do that ca calculation, if you apply that calculation to your life, to your savings, to your spending dreams, somehow you're way off. Like, oh, I did a calculation this morning. Did oh, you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We both did. We were, we were talking about it this yeah. morning. Yeah. So I did one of them that says multiply by 25. So I put what I thought we spend each year as a guess. Yeah. And I multiplied by 25. Then I multiplied by 2.6 for inflation. Mm -hmm. And it was $10 million. Yeah. So <laughs> 10. I what, am not even close. So that's, that's the rule. Multiply by 25 your de desired spending. Yes. What do you want to spend per inflation. year? So I just went by what I think we spent about what we spend yeah. per year right now. So based, based on that calculation, you need to have saved $10 million to be successful in retirement. That's what this rule of thumb said. What a depressing number. I, I'm not close to that. Yeah. I am not, not close to 10 million. Is, is that why people are Uber drivers in their retirement? Yeah. Right. Extra yeah. income. Yeah. Trying to save. Well, Rochelle, you pulled up an article that said millennials right now, there's some, some just talk about them having to save 50% of their income. Yeah. And that was a real shocker for me. <laughs> yeah. You fall into that category. Yeah. Well, so, and if you think about the, the people in that category, I mean, a lot of them, there's, 
the millennial generation, there's a, that's a big age gap. But the mm-hmm. younger millennials, I mean, they come out of school with all this co- college debt. They can't find a job to even pay with for the college debt that they have. And then try to get into a home. I mean, how many millennials have given up on the American dream of owning a home because they can't get through the college debt or find a job to help save money in addition to that? And then think about the pressures of saving 40% of what you make and still having a life. I mean, I have a group of friends, and there is a couple in this group that are over five hundred thousand dollars in debt and they have a house but all the student loans and everything it is ridiculous and i'm like how can you do anything but try to pay that debt off yeah so the last thing they're thinking about is 40 years down the road right when they're going to give up their job and they have to be able to support themselves for the next potentially 40 years Mm -hmm. maybe even longer you know there's a study that says that the first person who's going to live to 150 years old or older has already been born so if we think about this younger millennial group, it's very possible that over 100 is, is certainly plausible. And then you stretch it out to over 150. Now, if you retire at 65, th- think, think about not working and supporting your lifestyle for 60 plus years. And, it's a long and, time. And all of these studies that we're looking at right now do not factor that into the equation. You know, they're factoring normal life expectancy into this these types of which is what 80 88 right now for women and 86 for men is yeah, that somewhere somewhere around, in that ballpark so, yeah 83 86 and it's just going to keep going up well in this article it, it didn't even talk about life expectancy it, it was just to retire at 65 hitting that 65 mark that's all it really talked about it never even specified if you want to live until 100 120 150 oh yeah and Lauren, you or somebody talked about a mortgage being a factor for millennials, but a mortgage is also a factor for pre-retirees and retirees who are looking at, again, the the best way to maximize. So when you get towards the end of those working years, you've got what you've got. You've either got seventy five thousand or you've got seven point five million, and you can you've got a couple of years to do some catching up. But you've got to be creative with whatever that amount looks like. And sometimes people think about the mortgage. Uh, a mortgage being part of the retirement. And I think every day you probably talk to people like, do we pay the house off? Do we not pay the house off? What are those discussions like? Like This is a multifaceted conversation because right now, well, let's just take interest rates. Right now, interest rates are at historical lows. So you throw that into the traditional landscape of what they've always been taught, which is make sure you pay off your mortgage before going into retirement. Right there, there's a conflict, right? So if if you have this mortgage that is at 3%, it's not costing you a lot as far as interest expense. And then you have this cash on the sideline and you say, what can I do with this cash? Should I pay off my mortgage and be debt free? Or should I use it for something different like some of these advanced tax planning strategies that we we try to implement with a lot of our families? Or do you use it to invest the cash or delay Social Security, live on the cash and delay and maximize your Social Security strategies? There's a lot of different things in this landscape that they have never or retirees have never had to face before as it relates to should they pay off their mortgage or should they're not. Yeah, because I suppose, you know, maybe in the 80s when uh, interest rates were, what, 14 or 12, Mm -hmm. it was obvious, like, pay off the mortgage and then retire, right? Yeah, that's what what retirees' parents, that's what they went through, right? And when they were retiring in the 80s, like my grandpa, he retired in their right, retired in the 80s, he did not want to have a mortgage because it would have been 12, 14, 16% that he was paying on the mortgage, so pay off the mortgage, live on your pension, live on Social Security, and retirement's going to be great. In the article, it says uh, 
specifically been thinking about retirement planning a lot since turning 50 a couple years ago. Is 50 too late to start thinking about your retirement? No, it's not. But it, it's uh, and it's not even too late to start saving for retirement. A couple, couple years ago, we met um, a family, very little savings. So the average today is 75000 for retirement age. They had saved less for seven, less than 75000 doing their plan. It wasn't going to work out. But by changing the plan to where now they wanted to work till 70, because one, they needed to, to maintain the lifestyle that they wanted to post, post working years. And it worked out really well. All we had to do is some tweaks. We have to incorporate the plan that's customized to them, what their spending requirements were, what their resources were. Um, and it worked really well. So ideally, no, you don't want to wait until age 50 to start saving for retirement. But some people do. And just, be, just and if you're one of those people, it doesn't necessarily mean it's too late. It's just that much more important to start with the planning. So, so that's an important distinction. Saving is different than planning. A lot of people won't start really planning for retirement until they're five years away from retirement. So maybe if they want to retire at 65, maybe it's 60. But they've been saving for 30 years, right? So the planning is the actual tactics, the strategies you're going to put in place to now turn off the W-2 wages and then turn on the income from all these other resources that you've saved. And I think that many people do start planning later because when, when you're younger, you're thinking about all these other things. And you, you're, there's this far off dream of retirement down the road. And it sounds really good. But when you think about retiring when you're 40, you're thinking about all the good parts that come with retiring, like going on the, the trips, not having to go to work Monday morning. I mean, you're thinking about all those all those fun things. But then you get a couple years away from retirement. And now you, you start thinking less about that kind of stuff. And you start thinking more about how is this actually going to work? Right, where's the money going to come from? What do I do with Social Security? How do I afford health care? What do I do with Medi- Medicare? You know, you're thinking about the actual, uh, actual details of providing income once the W-2 wages go away. And that's when the planning for a lot of people really starts to set in. How do you answer that question, how much do I need? When you get it, I mean, we've had these conversations just at the dinner table. How much do we need? Is it a million? Is it two million? What do you tell people? That's a conversation that you cannot answer at the dinner table. That's that's a that's an answer that you have to come up with with the customized plan because everybody's situation is is unique. And what you do want to do is you want to stay away from these rules of thumb because the rules of thumb will get you into trouble. Everybody's situation is different. Everybody's goals is a little bit different. And so the customized plan is is how you determine how much you actually need. And I can tell you with most of the families that we work with. What they actually need is significantly less than $10 million. That is great news, Lauren, because I was thinking about a second or a third job to get to that $10 million. You 10 could million be an mark. Uber driver. Wow. You know, where I live, Dodge. we don't even have Uber in the town I live in. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so the customized plan. So to get to the customized plan, there is a little work that has to be done. you got to think about sort of spending before and after retirement. So to set the scene, first we're going to talk about spending uh, in retirement. Lauren, am I going to spend less or am I going to spend more when I retire? I would say most people think they're going to spend less than what they're spending right now in retirement. But every... Every day is a weekend, isn't it? <laughs> well, th- think about in your lives right now, which days of the week you spend most of your money. Monday. <laughs> what? what happens on Monday What's that you spend so Monday? much money? 
I have to buy uh, my Starbucks. I have to reload my Starbucks card. I have to get all my beer for the week. <laughs> I see. Okay. I grocery Whoa. shopping. So what do you do on Saturday and Sunday? I play video games. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So Rochelle aside, <laughs> most people spend most of the money over the course of the week on the weekends. Sure, because we go out to eat sometimes on Friday or Saturday night, do the shopping or uh, the ordering. Yeah. It's, and, and you just have time, right? Time is expensive. When, when you have free time, most people, the activities that they, that require them to, to uh, that they enjoy during the free time cost money. And so in retirement, every day is a weekend and, and then you have a lot more time. Time's expensive. So most people actually spend more in retirement than what they anticipate. And that's that's a dangerous thing. And that's one of the, the points that we really focus on with our families is let's hone in on what it is that it's actually going to take to make it through the retirement years. So let's have some fun. You guys, you guys want to go through, through some questions here? Are we planning our retirement? I'm in. You're in? Ready. Okay. So right, right now we're going to be talking about expenses. Okay. What kind of expenses? Yeah, I don't like to talk about expenses. No, it's not. <laughs> that I was, said that we just, were going to have fun. That went from fun to no fun for <laughs> me. So pre-retirement years, right, when we're working, we have expenses. And we know we have expenses after we stop working. So let's compare the list of those expenses and maybe we can come up with, are we going to spend more? Are we going to spend less? Okay. So we're still working. What kind of expenses do we, we have during the working years? Mortgage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Car. Car. Vehicles. Okay. We spend a lot of money in our house on food. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys pay taxes? Uh, yes. yes. And they keep going up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, property taxes. Mine are just went up again. Yeah, they're not going down. No. And federal income taxes will probably continue to go up as well. Do you guys use electricity? No. We do. Um, I like to. <laughs> <laughs> not on Mondays. Not on Mondays. <laughs> Healthcare. Oh, yeah. We pay yeah. for health care. Mm-hmm. Medical expenses. Yeah. And you're saving because you have to get to the $10 million. <laughs> what Sa- is saving? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not saving enough, but yes, saving. Of course. Yeah. Investing. Investing. Yep. Yeah. I go to a lot of movies. Yep. Entertainment. Right. Travel. We travel a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's the working years. Now, now we're all retired. So what is it going to take for us to do the things that we want to do in retirement? Oh, well, I'm... I'm taking all the trips I didn't take when I was working. That sounds expensive. Because we have some places we want to see, and I feel like the years keep ticking by, and we haven't gotten there yet. Okay, so you're retired now, and you and Cole are planning your first trip. Where are you going? I've always wanted to go to New York City, so if I don't make it there by Mm -hmm. retirement, we're going to go. Okay. New York City's expensive. And 20 years from now, it's going to be more expensive. (laughs) Good. 20 years sounds good. (laughs) I hope to be in my dream home. Nice. Okay. By the time I'm retired, let's hope I find it. Your dream home, would that be more expensive or less expensive? Oh, than it's wh- going to be a lot more expensive. <laughs> a lot more expensive. Okay. <laughs> you guys still using electricity? Oh, yeah. Are nope. we still doing that? Yeah. And and you uh, still need a car? And we still have to yeah. eat. Still have to eat. Mm-hmm. Loaf of bread's going to be $19 by then. <clears throat> Healthcare. I'm still going to need that. Yeah, and that's that's a challenge that a lot of retirees are facing today. If they retire prior to sixty five, they could spend two thousand. They could spend twenty five hundred dollars a month just in healthcare. Oh, geez. And that's why a lot of people aren't retiring until sixty three and a half or even sixty five. What about what expenses do you find surprise people in retirement that they're like, I hadn't thought about that. Well, the two things come to my mind right away, and it's it's not necessarily explicitly expense, but it's certainly related to expenses. Is one is 
is a lot of people who anticipate retiring later, right? They don't, they don't mind working. They want to continue working. Let's say their goal to, is to work up until 70. The vast majority of people who plan to work until 70 actually don't end up working until 70. And, and th- there's two main reasons for that. One is health, which is a direct answer to your question of expenses. That's the biggest surprise is when health expenses get in the way. And I'm not talking about the health care insurance premiums. I'm talking about what happens when something happens to their health and it costs them for the care that the health concern requires. Sure, or pulls them away from their job. Depending on what you do, you might not be getting paid while you're away if you're in a commission-based job or in something like that. Yeah, so the, the, from a health standpoint, that's one of the reasons why people can't work as long as they anticipated or wanted to. But the other one is because the workforce no longer wants them. They feel like they kind of edged out. Well, the, the, they're the higher wage earning uh, employees. So if there's a reorganization, sometimes those higher earners are the first to go. Or even if like in the case of the public schools, you hear this all the time, they'll offer buyouts to the teachers that have been there longer, really nice buyouts. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of our families have been offered a buyout uh, or they just been forced out without the buyout. And what the companies are doing is they're hiring younger employees with the wages are much lower. And then you look at some of these really big corporations that have these legacy pensions, so a lot of these companies, and there's been announcements just over the last couple of weeks of these big companies freezing their pensions. So they freeze the pensions. That also encourages the employees to leave because their pension's not going to grow any bigger whether they work the next five years or they retire this year. So does freezing the pension mean that if they retire today or retired in five years, that their monthly payout is the same? Correct. So why not retire now? Yeah, because yeah, you're not going to get now. more money if you stay longer. Interesting. Mm-hmm. There was a New York Times <laughs> article about how your Uber driver is probably a retired person. Yeah. yeah. With a bad retirement Wait, because plan. Yeah, because they can't, they can't get jobs because the workforce doesn't want them. Yeah, the Uber, Lyft, it's kind of replaced the Walmart greeter or, or the Home Depot. So the big, big stores. I mean, how many, you go to Home Depot, I'm there every week. Multiple times. <laughs> and, and you see these people that are probably retired, right? And, mm-hmm. and they're working and they're, they're helping because they, they have to come up with income from somewhere because of what they have saved isn't getting it done for them. Okay, so we've definitely gone over, I think, the cost of retirement. I think people probably are getting or able to wrap their mind around these costs that hit into retirement. But here's the good news. There are some ways to pay for some of this. And if you if, if going back and getting a part-time job is something you desire, great. But if it's something you're like, wait, I don't want that, a good financial plan, a good retirement plan, a customized plan can help you avoid that, right, well, Lauren? The plan can because what it does is it organizes and it, and it helps maximize all the resources that you have. So we've just kind of touched on Social Security a little bit today. But let, let's say your retirement plan <clears throat> says you need $1.5 million to do what you want to do in retirement. And then you maximize your social security. And if you look at the, if you add up your monthly payments from social security from the time you start taking it to the time that you expect to pass away. So we have to use some mortality assumptions, of course, a lot of times that lifetime income generated from social security will be upwards to a million dollars. So if you need 1.5 and you can maximize social security with the up to 81 different options that you have, and you can get a million dollars out of social security. Well, now this retirement picture looks a whole lot more feasible. Yeah, that's the most encouraging thing I think we've said so far. You know, that's something that makes me go, okay, all right, I feel good about that. And that's one of the things that that gets misplaced in in the retirement plan because pre-retirees, retirees retirees today, they've always been told, just pretend like Social Security's not there. 
So in their minds, it's always been minimized. But now they're here on the doorsteps of retiring. It's, it could be a huge portfolio for them. It could be a huge source of income generation for to meet the targets that they meet, need to meet to maintain the lifestyle that they really want to. And it is here. And as, as far as I know, you watch kind of what's going on in Washington. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. No, we may not see the inflation or, or the payouts go up in the way that, you know, us as the people that will be taking Social Security would like to see. But it, so Social Security is not broke yet. Well, no. And certainly for the three of us, it's it, it's probably going to look different. It's going to be look di- it's going to look different for us than what it is for current retirees. But for those who are 60 plus right now, certainly those who are on it making a substantive change to what they've been promised or what they're receiving would be career suicide for politicians. I don't think that's going to happen. The United States government also has the ultimate taxing authority. So if they want to shore up Social Security, they can do it. They have been doing it, and they will continue to do it. And one of the easiest ways they can do that is to eliminate the the uh, earnings cap as far as what, what, what amount of your earnings is tax, taxable from a Social Security standpoint. So right now it's about 132000 Well, they eliminate that. Somebody making $2 million, the full $2 million will be subject to Social Security tax. There's a lot of different things they can do with it besides cutting back the Social Security income from somebody who's 65 taking Social Security. And then you look at the other ways that, that somebody can maximize their resources. Taxation is one of the biggest wealth eroding factors when it comes to their retirement in- income. So by incorporating effective tax strategy maybe they could save an additional $200,000 in retirement over the course of their retirement just by implementing some tax strategy. So if you think about somebody 65 plus, it's anticipated they're going to spend $285,000 on health care. So that's a year. No, over the course of their retirement. Oh yeah, that doesn't make sense. Sorry. No, that's okay. Great question. (laughs) Over the, over the course of their retirement, it's anticipated to spend $285,000. Well, if you can save $200,000 on taxes, now it makes that a little bit easier to to handle. Yeah. Right. So it's all of these different components that go into the retirement plan. You, you save a little bit here, you maximize a little bit here, you organize throughout the entire plan. And now it really does make retiring much more manageable. I've heard you talk a lot about an HSA as a, as a way to kind of help with some of these healthcare costs. What's What's important about that? Well, the HSA is kind of kind of a newer savings vehicle that goes with the the high deductible healthcare plans, and it's it's a really powerful tax strategy, it's tax savings vehicle because the money that you put into it is tax deductible. The money that you take out of it, as long as it's going to pay for qualified medical expenses, comes out tax free. So it goes in tax deductible, comes out tax free. It's it's one of the best tax savings vehicles out there. And a lot of people right now are using them incorrectly because what they're doing is if they're in their working years, they have a medical need, they're taking money from their HSA to pay for that medical need. That's kind of what it's designed for. But I say, let's look at it a different way. If you're getting all this tax-free growth, why not cash flow that medical need out of your wages, your W-2s, and then save the HSA from for when you're retired when the W-2s go away, now you have a finite amount of resources. So once you leave employment, the HSA comes with you. Yeah, it doesn't go but away. But you don't take it out all at once. It stays in this, this kind of investment, HSA investment. Yeah, it still stays within the HSA account, and you can use it throughout the course of your retirement. So the HSA, you will use over the course of your retirement, but something happens, you pass, you still have money in the HSA. It, there's a beneficiary designation, so the HSA carries on to the beneficiary. 
So it's, it's one of the most powerful vehicles you can use. I say, if you can afford it, cash flow your medical expenses out of your W-2s while you're working and allow that tax-free tax-free bucket to continue to compound for the day that your W-2s goes away. And then that's another way that you can really maximize your resources. Anytime you get an investment like a Roth IRA or an HSA that can grow tax-free, it's just going to compound and be that much more effective for you down the road. And healthcare is, I mean, one of the biggest costs for a retiree, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they estimate 65 plus, $285,000 over the course of their lifetime, and that's only going to go up. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially as people are living longer, you think about they're living longer, but is the quality of their life getting better towards the end of those those years? I mean, the last three to five years of somebody's life, they're alive, but if they're in a long-term care facility... It's expensive. In a memory unit, paying $10,000 a month... It's not the best quality of life, but it sure is expensive. And that's where a lot of that cost is is coming from. Would you suggest then someone getting, what about like long-term care or like nursing home insurance? I mean, that's something that's out there. Uh, my mom asked me the other day, just because we went through it with my grandma a couple couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, no, you don't need that. Just come live with me. <laughs> 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 Which yeah. sounds like a great plan, but yeah. Yeah. you might not feel that way in 20 years. And what we hear a lot of times is they're just going to go to back 40. Right, they don't. They're not going to go to a facility. They're right, just gonna walk I'm not out. going. Just they're just going to walk off. out behind the barn. Yeah, I think my dad's actual retirement plan is just shove me off a cliff, and I'm like, well, then, Dad, I'll be in prison. So that's really <laughs> yeah. not going to work. But thanks for that great, great uh, mantra. Uh, yeah, that doesn't really happen. No. Long term care is expensive, and it's different for everybody. Every single year, we have some some families go into a long term care facility. Right now, our families are paying anywhere between thirty five hundred to ten thousand dollars a month, and that's going up by on average 5% per year. So it's it's going up faster than normal inflation. So think about 15 years from now, what that cost is really going to be. So it needs to be planned for. It needs to be accounted for within your overall retirement plan. And how you account for that is a little bit different for everybody. What a lot of people are choosing to do right now is self-insure, which means if they go into a long-term care unit right now, it's coming out of their savings. It's coming out of the cash flow that's, that they get from pensions and Social Security and their investments. And that's not necessarily a bad way, but it needs to be accounted for within the overall plan. Because one of the, the biggest concerns of most couples, most married couples, is not necessarily one of them going into a long-term care facility, but is what happens to the surviving spouse. You know, how, how does that long-term care facility, if it eats up all of their savings, what's the surviving spouse going to live on? Right, that's one of the biggest concerns, and that needs to be accounted for. So whether it's long-term care insurance, it's self-insuring, it's one of these hybrid strategies that's becoming available uh, more and more today. However you cover it, it just needs to be intentional and based or developed within the plan. Long-term care insurance has gotten pretty expensive, it right? Is. Yeah, it's expensive, and there's, there's some drawbacks from long-term care insurance. A lot of long-term care insurance policies is going to cost you what feels like an arm and a leg to pay those monthly premiums. Uh, if you never need long-term care, then those premiums just go to the insurance company. I mean, and most of these policies are true long-term care insurance. So it's insurance that helps you, it makes you feel better, but if you never need it, it's just gone. And that's why some of these newer strategies make a lot of sense for retirees because if you, you can use it while you're alive if you need long-term care, but if you're gone, then there is a residual benefit for a beneficiary. 
So long-term care, it's a, it's a continuously evolving marketplace, just like a lot of these other strategies. So it's just something that you need to specifically identify, be really intentional as far as how you want to cover that risk, and then make sure it's implemented within your overall plan. And so today we're talking about the cost of retirement and things that you should be talking with your retirement planner about. And one thing that that's important, Lauren, is what happens when I'm gone. Some people want to plan to spend every penny and try to spend, you know, until the day that they're gone. And then other people are very intentional and want to make sure that their money goes to loved ones or, or, or charities. And, and that's something that, that, that can cost money. Yeah, it can cost money as far as setting up the plan, but it doesn't have to cost all that much. And it's oftentimes far less expensive than if you do no planning at all. When it comes to estate planning, we say you have a plan. Is it your plan or is it Uncle Sam's plan? But you have a plan. And so you, you, I think, I mean, there's usually two schools of thought when it comes to estate planning. Some people are saying, you know what, when I'm gone, doesn't matter. Kids are adults, get it to them, let them do whatever they want. It doesn't matter. And they don't put a lot of planning or thought into it. And then there's the other school of thought that says they want to be very intentional. They want to leave some money behind. And this is how they want to do it. Regardless, most people, whatever whatever money is left, at least at a very minimum, they want it to go in the most efficient way possible. So there needs to be an estate plan put into place. It doesn't have to include a lot of expensive documents if your desires are not all that advanced in, in the estate planning categories. Or there should be some documents that could cost you, you know, if you want to incorporate a trust within your overall estate plan, it might cost you a couple grand. If you want to be really advanced, it might cost you 10 grand, but it's a one-time expense if it's done right and you set it. And then when you pass, your wishes are fulfilled. If you want to put a will into place, that's a much less significant expense. It might cost you three, four or 500 bucks. It just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. But uh, that's a conversation. The estate planning piece is where we probably find most of the mistakes. Most of the mistakes. First, it's a hard conversation. Not too often do you want to sit sit down with your loved one across the table and say, "I'm gonna I'm gonna die at some point. I know that." And then here's right. I mean, it's just. I thought what? Cole and I were just gonna go holding hands at the same yeah. time. No, it's not yeah. gonna be that romantic. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, but, but even not. if you do, now you have all the stuff that's left over. How do right. how do you get it to the to right. the kids? So it's um, the estate planning piece. It's a foreign concept for a lot of people. It's not a fun conversation. Uh, it's not something you really want to start doing a lot of digging into because you just don't want to think about it. But it's important uh, to to do, and, and that made me think of um, oh, healthcare directives or uh, you know, making medical decisions. Does that does that fall under the will or the trust, or what does that come into? Yeah, most of the time when you set up a will or when you set up a trust, you're going to incorporate the healthcare directives as well. But but let's say you already have the will in place and it's doing everything you want it to do then it is worth the extra expense to go through and get the healthcare directives put in place, the power of the financial power of attorney, the health power of attorney, making sure that if, if something dire happens, then everybody knows what your wishes are prior to that event taking place. It, it not only will save you a lot of stress and anxiety, but probably more important at that point, your family members. Because they do. I mean, everybody's in agreement of exactly what you want to have happen. And then you have the power, the authority to actually execute it. I was trying to think of a good way to transition from the doom and gloom of, you know, talking about healthcare directives, but I guess that's the reality. But the 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 transition is this, that, that retirement really is 
is something to be excited about. It really is a 30-year vacation. It really is something you've worked so hard for. So the takeaways would be to put a plan in place that shows you exactly how you're going to spend that money. And Lauren, it's fun when you get to deliver that plan to people. That plan shows them on paper, here's what it's going to look like. Here's how we're going to you know, take money from this investment or that investment. And, and that's the fun part of the job. Here's what we really see when we go through the planning process with somebody is, is really the, the first conversation, the first couple conversations, you do t see all this anxiety because there is so much doom and gloom out there. And they're feeling it and it's, it's on their faces. And then you go through the planning process. You have these conversations. What's important to you? What are some of your top concerns? Are you concerned about saving money on taxes? Are you concerned about maximizing social security? Are you concerned about taking care of long-term care, making sure that the surviving spouse, whichever one is taken care of as you talk through that, that by itself, that conversation, those conversations are therapeutic. And then you take the information from those conversations and you develop the plan and they can see the plan. So it's one thing for me just to say, you guys are going to be okay in retirement. Here's why. It's another thing to show you, uh, here's what your retirement picture really looks like, not only at point of retirement when the W-2s do go away, but also five years down the road, 10 years, 15 years down the road. And by the way, what if your spouse goes through long-term care? Here's what we anticipate that cost to be. Here's where we're going to take that money from. And here's how, what it's, what your retirement is going to look like for the rest of time as well. And as you have those conversations and they actually get to see that, that's when you sit, you, you do often see a positive reaction physically because now you can start to see the stress, the anxiety, anxiety diminish. And that's really the power of the plan. And that's why planning for everybody going into retirement is so important. Okay, so today we've covered the cost of retirement, but retiring has a lot of different facets and a lot of information. So if you're hungry for more information, there's a website. You want to check that out. It's MerkelPlan.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E plan.com. You can go there for some information on, on taxing taxes. We've got a tax strategy playbook. We've got five things to think about before your retirement, some more retire, some more discussions that you can have on this. And Lauren, we've got something else. that's kind of fun. We got a YouTube channel. What is it? You don't know our YouTube channel. He gave us a blank look. <laughs> if you go to youtube.com, search Merkel retirement planning. That's it. There you go. Merkel Retirement Planning. Of course, we always have this podcast. It's retiring today. Thank you so much for listening. Merkel Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. So where's your next performance of your jazz? <laughs> of what? Uh, uh, oh, the jazz? Set him up, Joe. <laughs> We've got jazz. a little story. <clears throat> I think you should know. Good job, guys. We're drinking, my friend.